spring forward at Banana Republic Factory with 50 to 70% off everything. Shop season favorites from colorful dresses to easy tops from $19.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Enjoy 50 to 70% off almost everything at Gap Factory and GapFactory.com. Shop tees from $6.99 and joggers from $24.99, plus extra 15% off online. Exclusions apply. Shop the sale through April 6th. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> Okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. You think of Earth as a singular planet. In fact, it is anything but. But this is a story not of the universe, but a multiverse. Where universes and planets, such as Earth, were replicated and mirrored across a vibrating, infinite plane. Some barely different from the next. Others drastically so. This is DC On Screen. Every week, Dave and Jason talk about the multiverse of DC properties on film and television. But be warned, if it's been officially released, you can expect they'll spoil it. on screen this is your weekly news episode i am your host david c robertson this is my co-host jason goss hello and uh we haven't really done one of these proper in a couple of weeks um we did do the uh justice league heroes trailer last week as as the news but we also had the uh fantastic joseph mccabe on talking about the 100 things batman fans should know and do before they die his great new book and um, that is that is out as of yesterday, so you guys should should go check that out and mm-hmm. buy it. Um, we don't make any money off of it, but no, we just got a good guy. We got a good talk out of it. That's really it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I haven't had a chance to really talk about anything that's been going on those last couple of weeks. Um, freaking Tom Petty died. That was a bummer. Mm. Um, yeah, that was a bad day. The, uh, Tom, Tom and the Heartbreakers are my favorite band. And, you know, we had all this stuff about, uh, you know, Las Vegas, and that was just sickening. And then Tom died the same day. So, that's just awful and a bummer. Yeah. And, unfortunately, we're going to have to start off the show with more bummer news. Yeah. Uh, just disgusting, sickening shit. Um, I'm sure everybody knows about the Harvey Weinstein scandal. Uh, he was fired from the Weinstein Company, kicked out of the uh, the Academy. He won't be able to vote on the Oscars anymore. Um, and this is a guy who, unfortunately, gave Ben Affleck his his start. And uh, there's there are a lot now a lot of accusations going on with uh, you know how much Ben knew when he knew it, uh, and also with his own behavior towards women, which we've honestly documented here and um, at some point or another. And yeah, we've brought that up before. Expressed. We've expressed concern, uh, well, about the two big things that <laughs> he kind of keeps popping up in the news about, alcohol abuse and uh, sexual harassment. And, uh, well, last year we got the alcohol abuse. Confirmed. That that confirmed, and uh, guess which category the smoke is rising from now. Mm-hmm. So, um, while we don't have, you know, we do have some footage that's, you know, arguably iffy 
and we've got a lot of allegations. I don't know where this is going to go. I'm honestly kind of in the screw Affleck camp at this point. Yeah. Because this is all just pretty disgusting, man. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I have the highest hopes because we've all invested so much in that, uh, in Batflick. Honestly, uh, him as a person before this role, I could have just given or taken this. Um, like if, if Ben Affleck pre-Batman had just dropped off the radar, I wouldn't mm-hmm. have. Um, I wouldn't have been so worried about it affecting stuff that I'd already emotionally invested in. Because I, I rarely find myself emotionally invested in anything he's doing outside of Batman. But um, that's just coincidence. Well, aside from, you know, the very real possibility that he's using his power to be a complete dick, um, being a real, you know, shitty and sad thing. This is actually kind of messing with how I'm seeing Justice League at this point. Yeah. But, uh, so, you know, I don't blame Warner Brothers if they want to recast. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to... Yeah, uh, they're in a they're in a rough spot for they a are. lot of reasons. But, um, I mean, yeah, like I, I hope... I just have this hope hanging around that somehow there's going to be some vindicating... Uh, I mean, very clearly vindicating evidence that comes out that... Um, it helps my perception of Ben Affleck right now, but it's it's pretty down. It's pretty yeah. down. And we kind of yep. it's it's been in the air, but this was the most we've seen uh, substantiated so far. Mm-hmm. So you know, I don't know. Uh, you know, you have people who'll stand up for him. I don't know. It's, things are just not looking good for him. And uh, eh. yeah, I'm not too happy about his involvement right now in any of this stuff. No, none none of it looks. Great man. I mean, I, I'm a huge fan of one's right to innocence, but uh, man, it it does not it does not look good. So anyway, uh, yeah, just um, don't be surprised if they recast. Um, the more cynical part of me thinks that Warner Brothers won't actually come out and say anything about it until probably. Well, if there are more allegations made, they probably will. Um, but I mean, so far, most of the stuff that's been said recently is stuff that's already been talked about years prior. Um, yeah, I mean, but, it's, it's been documented, right? Um, what if CLWB handles it? I, I honestly, I don't even want to guess, to be honest, because yeah, it, it can go a yeah, lot of ways. And also knows. it's still a pretty new story. So I think they're dealing with it. Um, and I think they're kind of waiting. Yeah. It might be, I, I mean, it might be a couple weeks before you see an official response. Mm-hmm. And there's always there's a real chance you never see one, and we all just kind of move on. Yeah. Um, as these things, uh, I mean that's that's why Weinstein's such a big deal. Somebody finally got him. Like it's it's there's not really any speculation. It's a known it's a known fact. There's kind of institutionalized sexual harassment in Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And and Weinstein you know, was one of the the he was the some people have called him the white whale. They 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 wanted that story. Yeah. Um, and they so, couldn't have it because he was too powerful, and now he's not. That's pretty much the cynical view of this right is it's that kind of yeah had a few a few misses and he's not making as much money now that's so that's the cynical view that i gotta admit it, it makes a little sense to me because that's where the money goes i mean it, it he's not yeah there and i'm not i'm just it's speculation obviously but yeah sure absolutely there's very much like a vibe of um it was suddenly very much not worth it to their company to pay the settlements out. Which is one of the problems is that yeah. paying somebody off is better than taking a stand. But mm-hmm. so yeah, that's that's kind of why, like, uh, you know, a cynical part of me thinks that maybe they'll decide based on how well Justice League does. It, I'd like to think not possible. Like it hurts me to consider that, but it's possible. Yeah, and will never be provable. So no, I mean, you'd have oh, to well. find 
some leaked memo somewhere. And that's just not probably going to happen. Yeah. I mean, bottom line is I hope this all shakes out and it has less of a stink on it. But right now it does not look like it. Yeah. All right. I'm going to move on. Um, <laughs> let's go over to... Anything? Uh, this, any damn thing yes, else. any damn thing else. Um, <laughs> Abraham Reisman, the guy that wrote the, uh, the Vulture uh, article a few weeks ago, uh, was on the Batman on Film podcast and uh, revealed a little bit of the conversation that he had with uh, DC Entertainment President Diane Nelson. Uh, if really, if anything, it really just backs up something he was saying earlier. A lot of people are using it to to say that uh, Justice League doesn't fit in with their take on on uh, the DC characters, um, and maybe that's somewhat true. But it's, I don't think it was specifically about it because uh, I believe it was actually coupled with the with the um, what the actual article said, and I think that the article said it pretty well. Um, the, the part where Jeff Jaws was saying, like, you know, he kind of advised them don't have Superman kill, and they did it anyway. Um, now he said, um, Abraham Reisman said, uh, DC is, sorry, uh, it was in DC is rethinking a cinematic universe. That was the article. He says, um, that what didn't make it to the story is Diane Nelson said, to the effect of, we are a director-driven place, and Zack had a vision that didn't necessarily sync up with what our vision of these characters is, but we respect that he wanted to go for that, and that's part of our philosophy. I'm par- I'm paraphrasing there, mm-hmm. uh, is what he said. So, uh, you know, that all tracks with what we've heard in the last few weeks, um, honestly. We, you know, and on- it does look like... WB more or less in some ways says, yeah, we let the directors do what they want. Now, that was part of their pitch after, for yeah. some people. Like, they compete for some of the same directors MCU has, and one of their pitches to those is, we're going to let you play. We're not beholden to an MCU, you know? Mm-hmm. We don't have... Which I'm fine with the... Well, I'm fine with what the MCU does in that regard. Yeah. I'm not looking for a director-driven movie. I want to see the next chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so like as much as it pained me with Ant-Man, even when like Edgar Wright left, I was like, that's probably the best. <laughs> I, it, yeah. Honestly, like, the PR I, on both sides kind of suggested, I mean, it, ultimately it has, they have a narrative they want to go for and it just sounded like Edgar yeah. Wright had an idea he wanted to do and it didn't, he was a little too attached to it to really serve the overall plan of the movies. So they just kind of decided to part ways. Yeah, that's what it sounded like. And over over yeah. here at DC, they've—I I don't know how true it is—that they've told people like, "Yeah, oh, you can kind of balk on the idea of the overall narrative as long as you want to, you know, tell your story as well as you want to tell it." I don't know how much that really plays. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you hear stuff like this, and then you're like, "Yeah, they, I guess they are a director-driven studio." And then you look at Suicide Squad, and you go, "Yeah, I guess they're not." Yeah, I mean, you know. Or BBS, where yeah. that was a three-hour movie that made sense intrinsically that got turned into a two-and-a-half-hour movie that doesn't. Yeah. And that was because that... the studio decided they wanted to do it their way. Yeah, the studio decided they wanted to have an extra showing per day. Yeah. But then you have you also have Blade the new Blade Runner movie, uh, which is actively flopping at the box office because it's a three-freaking-hour-long movie. That <laughs> And part of the problem is they can't air it as many times. Um, yeah, I actually, I, I don't know. I've, I've gotten problem, onto like, him many times because critically it would have done, it would have done better as a three hour darling. It mm-hmm. wouldn't even be a darling, but it'd be a three hour. Eh, it was worth it rather yeah. than a two and a half hour. Fuck this. I'm going home. Refund my money. 
But, you know, to be fair, in something like Batman v Superman, they would have made their money. They really would have made their money. Blade Runner? I don't know. I don't know. It's It was a cult thing anyway, to begin yeah, with. Yeah, it didn't make its money up front either. Um, There's no guarantee that was a franchised material before. I mean, they, they stuck their dick on the chopping block with the notion that, oh, well, now that it's a cult hit... I'm like, no, you have like 16 different versions of the son of a bitch movie mm-hmm. out there in the world of Blade Runner, and no one knows which one to watch. You have one I don't know most, which one to watch. It's one of the most active and passionate discussions about voiceover in the history of film is that original movie. <laughs> I'm not sure you should use uh, that as a, a possible tentpole material for your summer. I just, I'm not sure that's yeah. a great call. Yeah, I hear the I hear the sequel's great though. It's got great critical reviews. Everyone I I know, like Scott from the Squadcast, saw it and he loved it. Uh, my buddy Jeff Myers from the Entertainment Roundtable, he watched it. He loved it. Um, I watched a version of the original and hated it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I watched the version. I know. I I and I I fear that like with BVS and Suicide Squad, we're in the same position. We're like I have I've never told one any Wonder Woman viewer, hey, make sure you watch the right version. With those two. <laughs> I've been very adamant about which version are you watching. Yeah, I. You just. It's, I don't it think it matters on Suicide Squad so much. Uh, Suicide Squad not as much. BVS, I think it's completely. Uh, yeah. I don't. I. It's day and night, man. I don't think there's a a difference. Yeah. I mean, I. I Have the you... theatrical release. It was fun for me, but it had its flaws. That took a lot of them away. Yeah. There, there shouldn't be that much of a difference. And in any case, yeah. I think I was. I'm more mad about like WB if they're playing the numbers. Like the way Blade Runner is too long, and now it's facing some consequences because it's got a trifecta of maybe it wasn't as big as you thought it was. I mean, yeah. AKA RoboCop, uh, Total Recall, pick a remake. Go ahead, pick a remake, uh, any of them. Yeah, sure. And maybe it wasn't still Even Star as... Trek. Yeah, yeah. Seriously, um, pick a remake or pick a title that you're reviving from ten or fifteen years, and and you tell me how that works out. I swear you could grab Avatar yeah. 15 years from now and try to remake it. Probably not going to do as well as you think it would. I mean, Cameron's making like four more, so. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe about 50 years from now by the time he's done. But no, like, you know, but, I mean, it's not the only thing, but it's not the only thing with Blade Runner. I mean, my, I think the biggest point is big, it was a cult hit. Yeah, it, it was. maybe it's not as big as you thought it was. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Just maybe it's not a demographic in there. And then a three-hour movie, like, I part of me wants to side with them like well okay maybe three is just one of those arbitrary numbers where that is too long of a movie yeah. that is too few showings a day and you're just not going to make your money back because you know statistics are funny little creatures and they work that way sometimes yeah and i, I mean i have a lot of know, respect for them because it is just numbers and i like those they it's like they learn their lesson on bvs but with the wrong franchise it was like oh we'll just do the same thing for blade runner they're geeks right no no. Honestly, I think the... Batman and Superman are universally recognized icons. Yeah. I, About I, 1 in 0.2 people know what Blade Runner is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Batman and Superman combined are a multi-billion dollar industry, you know, multinationally, per uh-huh. year. That, like, that, I mean, those two symbols alone are literally worth billions of dollars a year. And I, I mean, seriously, how much did Blade Runner earn last year? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure they make a lot of money off of just people trying to figure out which which version to buy and, and buying four different versions. Yeah, because uh, which you know, none look, of the guys I want to be fair that you're though. Talking to in film school can give you a definitive version, so you buy all four probably in one disc yeah. on Amazon for five bucks and see how it works. Yeah, 
I, I want to be fair because I said I hated Blade Runner, and uh, I'm going to get a lot of crap for that. But to be fair, I do have Philip K. Dick, Philip K. Dick's to Android's Dream of Electric Sheep, the actual book. I read that. It's pretty good. Um, I do want to be fair to Blade Runner. You know, Jeff, Scott, whoever out there, give me the definitive version. I will watch that again. When I watched it, I was a kid. My brain wasn't fully formed. Didn't know what to expect. I know what to expect now. Give me the definitive version. I'll watch it and give it another shot. But that's it. That's fair. I mean, no way is Blade the Blade Runner sequel going to make much money. I mean, they spent 150 million dollars on it. Like, yeah, <laughs> they were smoking some kind of crack, man. That's ridiculous. That was a lot. I mean, I don't know. It just uh, them suffering from probably didn't have as much potential as you thought it did. Spent too much money on it, and you know, mm-hmm. left the runtime probably too long. Yeah. So at least I can respect them trying it, but eh, anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Um. AMC announced on Twitter that uh, ticket sales for Justice League would be uh, open October 30th. So, I don't know. Uh, Get ready, y'all. Yeah. I'm going to buy mine. Despite this last week, so help me, I'll be there. With mixed emotions and all, I'll be there. Yeah, it's Justice League. I'm going to try to push past. I mean, I've been doing it for years now. Because, you know, you can't can't watch any movie without some dickhead being involved, right? Some that piece is piece of shit that does something awful. Yeah, that is unfortunately true. Even if you don't know about it, you can assume based on the the odds. Yeah, that one of those people um, is an ass. Yep. And we've waited our lifetimes for this movie. Damn it! Really, really pretty angry personally about all the emotional investment we have in this film suddenly being just deflated. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Justice League, they uh, AT and T released uh, an Aquaman exclusive first look trailer and it's not really a first look there's a couple of little seconds microseconds of new footage um, oh it was brief yeah <laughs> and i mean some of the new footage was stuff that wasn't even in the is not going to be in the movie like just like close-ups of like uh the displays of the of the costume right <laughs> oh it, it's probably but, on the know. dvd somewhere it's as a featurette yeah probably um, and then they, they released a Unite TV spot, and it's pretty much just footage from all the different trailers thrown into a very shortened Heroes trailer. Uh, a few differences, like Alfred says uh, to Bruce, are you sure your team is strong enough, you know? Um, and we're going to be getting a lot of that in the in the weeks heading up uh, to Justice League, so. There's going to be a, you know. a lot of promotional slash fluff material. Unless something like drastic happens, that'll probably be the last time we actually cover it. <laughs> yeah, actually. Well, we did the same thing with Suicide Squad, where we're like, okay, look, the movie's yeah. coming out, we're done talking about it. There's mm-hmm. no more news, it's now just press crap. We all know we're going no. to see it, nothing's and news I was anymore, per- let's just do it. I was particularly choosy with this with this week. There was a lot of stuff I cut, because it's like, ah, I've heard this shit before, I've heard this shit before. Yeah. I'm like, now they're just explaining what Wonder Woman is. I'm yeah, that's only going to get worse. Why are you doing that? <laughs> yeah. That's only going to get um, worse. So, yeah. So, they were talking to the SFX magazine, and you'll be seeing them a lot in this episode here. Uh, <laughs> and um, they're talking about how Joss and Zach's work came together. Uh, Ben Affleck said, it'd be hard for me to encapsulate Zack Snyder's style in a pithy way, or Joss's. They both have a strong, intuitive sense of how a scene should play, and they've thought about it well ahead of time. I don't get the sense that either of them had specific styles that sort of superseded the way they wanted to tell the story. 
I think that they were focused on the characters and the story, and they allowed that to dictate style. Naturally, they both have strong senses of style and are slightly different. But nonetheless, both make for compelling movies. Uh, Gal Gadot said, I think Joss was very fair to each and every one of us in terms of knowing that we know the characters best, and he gave us the freedom to be that way. Uh, at the time... Sorry, at the same time, he does bring his own talent and vision to the movie. It was lovely working with him. Every experience is different when you work with different filmmakers. I think at their core, each and every one of them has the understanding of how to tell a good story. So yeah, of course you feel the difference, but not in a bad way, just because they're different people. Uh, they went, in, went on to talk about uh, why Bat Wonder Woman and Batman are perfect team leaders for the Justice League. Um, Gadot said, I think that both of them are very alpha type. Both of them deal with their past and both of them will do everything to make a better world and fight crime and fight evil. So we share a lot in common. It's like yin and yang. They work well together. He has everything that she doesn't. She has everything that he doesn't and they work for the same cause. She's warmer and more loving and open and he's more sophisticated. And Affleck, somewhat appropriately, I guess, says tough, but sophisticated. He's an asshole. He's a total typecast. Gotcha. Which would have made me laugh on a previous week, but not today. Yeah. Sorry, we, we may not be today. periodically bummed about this news as we go. Yeah, it's going to happen. Uh, J.K. Simmons was talking to Red Carpet News, and he had a lot of stuff to say, but not a whole lot of stuff to say. You know what I mean? He did <laughs> say that his role is a blink-and-you'll-miss-it affair. Uh, he hasn't mess. He hasn't met with Joss Whedon. He wasn't involved in reshoot reshoots, though he did recently do some ADR for the film. Um, so yeah, there's, there's that. Uh, there was a Justice League event in the Philippines, and uh, there was a someone took a picture of it, put it on the internet, and there was a little bit of uh, of a of a character um, of a character description that you could see that says Barry Allen is an excessively energetic student attending Central City College where he studies criminal science. That was a thing we didn't know before. He's a student. He's not an actual like I could have probably guessed that he wasn't you know actually working for a police department at this point. But, yeah. I'm not actually sure about that. He had a lot of monitors. <laughs> that's, that's a lot of electronics for the average student. Yeah. <laughs> Although, they've also billed him as, uh, you know, one of those uh, borgening geniuses in this version, right? Yeah. I, I'd like to think he's just got a MacArthur grant. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> uh, at the same event in the Philippines, there was a uh, there was a description for Cyborg that sheds a little light. Uh, it looks like they're going to be changing him up a little bit. Uh, it says, part man, part machine, Victor Stone is a former star athlete at Gotham City University. After a horrific car accident nearly cost him his life, he was saved when his father, uh, scientist Silas Stone, used an apocalyptian mother box to reconstruct his body. In the process, Silas turned Victor into a human computer, organic with bio... Chitronic body parts, in other words, a cyborg. So they're altering his, his origin just a little. Um, well, just a little from the most current version, drastically from the original version. Right. Um, now, uh, Ray Fisher was talking to Screen Rant and said, uh, was talking about why cyborgs different from the other Justice Leaguers. With the situation that Victor's gone through, he's lost more than his body. He cannot potentially have the kind of family that a lot of people would want. So there's a much different struggle than the rest of the crew because they can take their costumes off. They can live a normal life. They can hang up the cowl. They can hang up the capes or the helmets and whatever and just go off and be whoever it is that they want to after that point. Mm -hmm. But Cyborg doesn't have that luxury, being able to see that sort of massive setback, yet seeing the guy overcome it, reconnect with humanity while re reconnecting with himself is powerful. 
Uh, he also also talked about the relationship between. Yeah, he also talked to talk. Uh, he also t- <laughs> talked about the relationship between uh, Victor and Silas Stone. He says uh, he will rebuild the relationship with his father, who turned him into Cyborg, which is which essentially took a bad relationship and made it even worse. It's just an opportunity to watch this person, this superhero, who basically overcomes tremendous trauma and has every right to basically say "screw the world," but doesn't. Okay, I, um, I do disagree I like the way with his take on it. But go ahead. Well, how, what, what do you mean? I, a bad relationship and making it worse. Their relationship before he turns him into Cyborg is a live father and deceased son. I mean. <laughs> I think he means when back when before. <laughs> Surely I've misinterpreted. I think he means the relationship, you know, pre-death. I would hope because if the communication didn't hit a low point when the son was dead, you know, or so close to death that it was. I mean, I, I just. I mean, I remember him from that clip sitting on a rack with like a like a yeah. piece of organic. Play toy, man. I mean, I don't know. I'm not imagining. <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm like, okay, so uh, I wasn't exactly what you wanted me to be, and uh, and then I died, and you turned me into exactly what you wanted me to be. Screw you, Dad. Yeah. That's what I'm yeah. thinking. Um, now I don't have a life to live. I'm literally just a you know bucket of bolts over here. Mm-hmm. Except when you want to construct me, you ass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is one of them buckets the Wonder Twin? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I would rust. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Sorry, I'm trying to be a little lighthearted in this episode, damn it. <laughs> As you were. <laughs> All right, so uh, they were t- the Justice League cast was also talking to uh, SFX Magazine about their biggest character struggles. Uh, ben said, Bruce Wayne has a kind of inner darkness and cynicism that he has to get past in order to bring this team together. Gal Gadot said Wonder Woman is 900 or 3,000 years old, depending on who you listen to, and because of that, she's very lonely. She's had a lot of loss throughout the years. Uh, Ezra Miller said Barry despises social mores and time-consuming bureaucracies. Jason Momoa said Aquaman is not even really Aquaman yet. He is not the king of the seven seas. We don't really get there until my solo movie at the end. Really, it's a huge growth for me. It's a gigantic art for Arthur Curry. It may be tough for a lot of fans to watch what they're going to see, how I portray him, but you gotta wait until we get to the solo movie to really know, because he's not king yet. <laughs> I'm kind of tired of that explanation, honestly. Uh, it does track with last time we said he wouldn't be a very kingly and noble yeah. Aquaman. Oh, sure. Sure, it does track, absolutely. Um, he says he doesn't believe in himself, he doesn't know what to do with the powers he has, he's going through lo- uh, t- tons of loss, he hates Atlanteans, the fact that people are calling him Aquaman right now, he couldn't give two shits about anything Atlantean, so he's really not quite there yet. Uh, yeah, that's fine, you know. That might be one of the most compelling arguments I've seen for waiting on the Justice League movie, to get a couple more of the uh, solo movies out, but, you know. Because, you know, you see a Justice League movie, you want to see a Justice League movie. You don't want to see, like, an origin movie inside of a, you know, you know what I mean. But I'm, I'm, I still have high hopes for it. No, I mean, I, I can still dig it. Like, a Justice League movie um, doesn't have to be the final product. And we've already accepted so much as not being part of the final product. Like, Barry Allen's mm-hmm. a recruit. Green Lantern isn't there. Uh, according to certain personnel, Martian Manhunter's fucking ridiculous and should never have been considered. Um I mean, Superman at the time of the forming of this league is dead. Mm-hmm. There's some precedence for a lot of it, but you know, Aquaman being a little youthful, 
I'll call it. That doesn't. That's not the end of the damn world here. <laughs> yeah, I, I can still accept it. Also, I, I, I am a little comforted by the fact that he uh, kind of knows there's a plan. It never hurts. Mm-hmm. Never hurts to know that the actor, at least, is. I mean, he's read the script, man. He knows. He knows where where's, where this is going. Yeah. So someone took a screenshot of that uh, of that trailer mm-hmm. and uh, pointed out that uh, Christopher Nolan is still listed as an executive producer on Justice League. Yeah, I think he has an ongoing deal for a second. I, I don't think. Yeah, I think they just put his name up there. I really don't think he has anything to do with it at this point. No. Some some things you just get in perpetuity. And it says screenplay by Chris Terrio and Joss Whedon, uh, and not Ampersand. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. They're not listing Jesse Eisenberg or Willem Dafoe in the cast listing, but they still are on the WB uh, UK site, which is pretty who the hell knows yeah, at this point. Yeah, could be an oversight, could be something. We'll see. I don't think they're done editing yet, honestly. Uh, um, so no. and you know, the reports of certain characters being cut weren't. I mean, they, they weren't official. No, they weren't ironclad. Yeah. Uh, Ezra Miller told SFX Magazine that sitting in the Batmobile. Actually, says, you know what it feels like sitting in the Batmobile? It's like an orgasm. It just ripples through your whole body. I'm willing to believe that. <laughs> Apparently, he's uh, pretty fond of um, playing with all of their props. He says, I would just touch Jason's trident all day. He'd be like, get off my trident. I'll just touch Cyborg's glowing eye. Just gently caress the glowing eye, you know? The lasso. I was always grabbing the lasso. All the bat gadgets. Man, it's awesome. He's become my favorite <laughs> on-set person. Yep. Uh, I feel Absolutely. so bad a few years ago about being like super uh, reluctant about his casting, and now I'm just delighted for him, almost. Yeah. I, I, I see myself vicariously being like, yes, I would do all that. I would just geek out and do all that. That all, Yeah, that makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. I'd be running around the set with the lasso trying to wrangle gaffers. <laughs> um. I'll show you a grip. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, uh, blah, 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 blah. the Aquaman shrine over on Twitter posted a picture of a production team member who was wearing a crew shirt that, uh, apparently gives our, us uh, our first graphic images of ocean master, Mara, Arthur, Atlanta. And, um, I don't know, some sort of a, they're calling it a sea mutant character, but yeah. You know. I don't know. But there's also the trench. It looks like a trench. It looks like the trench. Like, there's a different one that looks like the trench. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm excited about that. Uh, so, that happened. That's, I guess, noteworthy of some sort. Ocean Master looks like he's from the comics, dude. He looks He looks dope. Nice. He looks dope. I haven't seen that um, shot yet, but cool. I mean, it's just a little, you know, looks like someone took a picture and then, like, threw it into, like, Adobe Illustrator and made, like, a, a, a vector vector art out of it or something nice um but speaking of ocean at Mo- ocean master motion he's master, apparently sure. wrapped <laughs> motion master james that uh james sounds Juan. like exercise equipment it does <laughs> some unfortunate motion you make with a thigh that somehow takes weight off your core tired of not having enough time to exercise of course but what should i do <laughs> motion aster <laughs> try the new motion aster yeah yeah that's about right only five easy payments of 17.99 yeah plus one really hard payment of 299 up front i'll go on the mitch hedberg route huh am i i don't remember that <laughs> yeah uh it's a mitch hedberg bit kind of 
kind of like he was saying it's always easy payments he wants like three he wants to see three easy payments and one hard ass payment the envelope will not seal (laughs) the mailman gets lost i remember that whatever (laughs) i remember that i i I think i'm safe from plagiarism but i do remember that one that was good (laughs) yeah all right, so yeah, anyway, James Wan says after 115 days of photography, that's a wrap on Patrick Wilson. Thank you for accompanying us on this aquatic adventure. So it looks like Ocean Master is over, uh, has, has wrapped on Aquaman for now. Mm-hmm. Who knows? If, I'm sure there'll be reshoots. He'll have to come back for a couple of days, and they'll have to try to figure out a way to get rid of his mustache. Something like that, yeah. Um, <laughs> he'll have developed some quirk for God knows what. And Paramount won't allow him to shave it. And he's like, but it's a voiceover role. I'm not even on it. And they're like, no, you can't shave it. Right. Um, over to Shazam. Again, I just want to like, I want to remind everyone, go follow Pony Smasher. Follow uh, David Sandberg on Instagram. He's hilarious. Good things happen. Yep. Moving on, though. Uh, Omega Underground uh, is reporting that Kobe Firmer has auditioned for the role of Billy Batson. Uh, again, you know, I've already started seeing people like throwing, trying like photoshopping him in the role. Some people even reporting that he is going to be Billy Batson. None of that shit's been confirmed guys. None of it. Um, this is an audition. Do you know what an audition is? You might think you do because you've watched those SNL DVDs and you've seen the people who were cast and you've seen their audition tapes and said, (laughs) well, if you audition, you're going to be on the show, but no, that's not necessarily the truth. Yeah. You're anyway more likely to be one of a couple hundred than you are one of one. Yeah, and the hashtag show or that hashtag show uh, found some character breakdowns for Shazam, and it looks like they're doing the Marvel family uh, first casting for Daniel, which uh, is probably going to be Eugene Choi as the role is seeking an 11 year old Korean actor. Mm-hmm. He's described as a smart kid who's into video games and reading nonfiction. Then there's Carlos. Um, and I, a likely alias for Pedro Pina, who is Hispanic, overweight, asthmatic, 15 year old, very shy and sweet. Uh, the third casting was for Susie, who's going to be Darla Dudley, eight to 10 year old African-American actress to play sweet, bubbly girl with glasses and pigtails. And of course, Frank, who we've actually reported on Mm -hmm. previously, uh, the sarcastic and funny teenager who's probably going to be Freddie Freeman. And they had an audition that leaked earlier this month for him as well. It's been a lot of leaked auditions. Mm-hmm. Not, I mean, so it's, it's by a no strange means occurrence. I, just you Shazam. Don't really like see that been, often. It's been kind of weird. I haven't seen as many as a. Mm-hmm. a it's. It, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with that. It's like a new trend. Yeah. Uh, but I'm. I would be excited about this. This is all cool to me. Let's do it. Uh, speaking of, let's do it. Amazon Prime members can now download an HD version of Wonder Woman for only ten dollars. That's. That's not bad. It's not bad, no. It's for a limited time, so jump on it if you haven't. Mm. That's the thing. I mean, that's going to go back that's up to at least to 15. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, they're saying it's a 50% off the list Sounds price. Right. So. Yeah. Uh, we got some listener feedback this week uh, over on iTunes. We got a new five-star review uh, from Beaten by the Best. Uh, subject line, great content, great chemistry. David and Jason have great chemistry. They are hilarious to listen to. Their shows are informed and honest, and their knowledge of DC far surpasses my own. I always learn something new about DC every episode. Not only that, I really enjoy hearing them talk about non-DC shows like VR Troopers, Riverdale, or Brooklyn Nine-Nine on occasion. Mm -hmm. They even do post-credit Marvel film reviews. Well, thank you, Beaton. We actually... Uh, 
That's yeah, sometimes fun because we those. can't help ourselves. Well, we can't help ourselves, and then our audience, our listeners, ask us to do it. Yeah. Like, the, sh- like the Marvel shit comes out, and they're like, are you guys going to talk about it after the show? And we're like, yeah. Yeah, some, some of it's like... <laughs> I mean, we were in heat to talk about like Logan or Deadpool, for instance. Wait, yeah, wait, we had we had to talk about that, and at length. Uh huh. Uh huh. That's true. Um, Michael Salvatore on Twitter. I think this that's how you say the name. Um, I did edit this a little for content because he had questions that I answered directly in the tweet conversation. Um, that isn't really applicable here, but uh, he did say some very nice things. He says, I'm a new listener. I love the show. I love your intro. And I always get a good laugh out of each episode. Also, like how you guys discuss both the DCEU and DCTV, you guys give fair analysis of both. And we've had a lot of fun with uh, with him over on Twitter, and he also just uh, he made a little stop-motion Lego movie, and uh, it was pretty awesome. So you guys should go check him out on Twitter. That does sound cool. Um... Nerdy Tastic, one of our uh, our loyal listeners, said uh, about the Justice League trailer, the most recent Justice League trailer. I like the remake of Heroes, despite it being on the nose, but that song always reminds me of Moulin Rouge. And then I imagine that mashed up with Justice League, and I get a very different but equally entertaining film in my head. I also that sounds <laughs> it's somewhere between farcical, majestic, and amazing, uh-huh. all at once. He's found I'll... some Venn diagram for those. That revolves around. Well, yeah, yeah. that's that's a that's a, it's a nice she, take. Yeah, she also said I also see they got the memo about color correction because this trailer is full of it and it's gorgeous. The red skies remind me of the new Adventures of Batman redesign of BTAS. Coming from me, that's high praise indeed. I'm finally uh, hopeful at once, hopeful and excited after this trailer instead of tentatively hoping it doesn't all go to shit. And the good parts in their trailer, I know you guys like BVS, but I didn't care for it at all. Uh, but I loved Wonder Woman, and I know y'all had some issues with that. That ending has its problems, uh, but to me, it's an important but flawed film. Here's hoping this movie appeals to both sides of the camp. Yeah, uh, Wonder Woman was absolutely an important movie, and uh, it did have issues with the. I did have issues with the endings, uh, with the ending, and with the um, and with the villains in that film. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people kind of took me to task for that, but I don't give a shit. That's my opinion. So that's just how you have to <laughs> conduct yourself. There's no other choice in this world. Uh, sorry. I, I don't like Batman killing in BVS. I know there's precedent in the source material. I accept it on those merits. It aggravates me, but it's there. What am I going to do about yeah. it? Batman's killed in every movie. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Just literally everyone. Um, yep. Uh, Yoda Hugh say, on Twitter says, uh, What if the first scene in the new Justice League trailer is backwards? Lois wakes up and sees uh, Clark Kent in the field. That's his return. I'm not really sure exactly what you mean, but like, do you mean like? I think he means like if that's like the very last scene of the movie. No, we talked about that. <laughs> Which was, uh, did we? Yeah, we talked about that. Like, it could just be edited in a way that makes it seem like that's a false return. But well, yeah, very like, easily I, if you I just took all that, that behind, and it's possible. Well, I was saying maybe that was like an actual his return in the movie, and then like it was just a fake dream or whatever. But maybe there's a different dream that Lois has and wakes up from. Mm, okay. But um, also, like, I don't know what it means by backwards. I well, I took that to mean. I, I took that as his meaning. We'll see. Or like she just wakes up and then she like gets up and walks outside, and he's there in the cornfield. Yeah, field. like there's no reason to think, uh, you know, okay. outside of a trailer house and an editing booth that that isn't maybe the way the material is truly cut together. You know, come five weeks from now. No, it's oh my god, it's four weeks from now. Yeah. 
Um, God, it's only a month. Yeah, I know. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like there's, there's no reason to believe that it can't be cut that way. It, and I, it wouldn't even be completely a dick move to kind of play it that way. I like, I would actually appreciate it if it was cut that way and it was the other way around just cause that would be a, it's not, you know, it's not a mislead that I will just never see coming, but it's at least a cool mislead. It's a huge improvement mm-hmm. from BVS. Also, if we're talking about dream sequences in general, didn't BVS kind of ruin us to some extent? Like we need some wrap up over like, did he see Barry or not? Yeah, which, you know, in the trailer, he said that. He said, I had a dream mm-hmm. that it was the end of the world. Yeah, I think that, that it'll probably, something will happen with that. We, we need that story to, I need at least a couple other pieces of that puzzle. Decent piece. I need corner pieces, frankly, for that 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 part of that puzzle. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I don't need anything. My Flashpoint, if, like, Barry's just running around. Just warning everyone about everything. Up, yeah, if it's just, like... If it just winds up that, like, that one scene in BVS, since they've, like, quote-unquote course-corrected, if once we get to Flashpoint and, you know, my hand to God, please, please, Jesus, let this be a Robert Zemeckis film. (laughs) (laughs) If we get Barry just, like, coming back in, like, Flashpoint, instead of having, like, one really dark, crazy future, they have, like, multiple futures, like Butterfly Effect with Flash, where he's just constantly trying to find a way to get back and tell people not to do things. Nice. And that was just one possible future. I would be totally down for that. That could work. Yeah. That could that could completely work. I mean, it it would even be kind of fun if they used it. Like most people would have forgotten that, but Bruce Wayne is a different kind of person. He remembered that moment, and most other people, it was it was lost in the the you know the time versions of time you know imploding and crunching in on themselves. Anyone but Bruce Wayne would have just forgotten that ever happened because time would have erased it. But no, that asshole had to remember half a second of a dream. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. That could be fun. I just gotta... It could be fun. Sorry. No, you're good. You're good, man. Look, uh, we're gonna stop talking about movie news now, and we're gonna go over to DC TV. And if you're not down for, for being spoiled on the shows, if you're not caught up, I understand... Uh, if you, uh, if you want to support the show and help us out, uh, pop over to iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you, uh, catch your pods and, uh, leave us a, well, the closest to a five-star written review or at least a positive one. You know, if you, if you enjoy the show, I mean, I don't know why you would enjoy the show and want to help us out and then give us a shitty review. That'd be weird, wouldn't it? We've um, had it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, sometimes people are complex. They are. <laughs> it's... <laughs> Yeah, that's the nicest way to put you, that. You wouldn't be, you wouldn't be the first. <laughs> uh, you I, I've actually up on I've Twitter. seen comments that I can only describe as supportive and derogatory. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what to do with that. Um, <laughs> but like I said, you could join in the conversation. Hit us up on Twitter. <laughs> Hit us up on Twitter. DC on screen is where we tweet. Uh, <laughs> and you can. Uh, Talk to us on Facebook. You can like us on Facebook. We have a Facebook page over there. Uh, you can email us at dconscreen at gmail.com. And uh, you can call us and leave a voicemail, 205-259-6331. We will respond. We'll put it on the show. You'll, we'll actually play your voicemail on the show. Call 205-259-6331. Also, just so you know, we are proud partners with TV Time, uh, an amazing app. Uh, it's your TV show calendar. 
man, it's pretty amazing. I am having a lot of fun with the community over there. Uh, you can, once you mark a show as an episode as watched, you can talk to the community and everything. And, uh, I, I don't know. I enjoy it quite a bit. Yeah. I've been pimping this thing privately um, and publicly for years. Long yeah, but now we're actually we're listed on the site. Affiliated in any capacity. Yeah, we're actually listed on the site, though. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty dope. All right, on to DCTV news. Uh, we'll start off with Gotham. Um, an EP, Brian Winbrandt, which we don't hear much from. No. It's usually Danny Cannon or whoever, Joseph Heller, but this Bruno. time it's uh, Brian Winbrandt, who says, Obviously, Jerome is, an our, is our homage. He's obviously not the Joker himself, although he clearly seems to be the impetus that eventually creates the Joker. The more that we see him, the more he carves out his own path, I'd say. I wouldn't say he becomes more the Joker, but the Jerome character continues to evolve. I didn't need to know that, necessarily. No, and I'm still comfortable with not necessarily knowing it. And I kind of don't believe him, either. Yeah, that's that's kind of my point, is I'm not sure they're sure. Like, I feel like this happened, and then like Joseph Heller and Danny Cannon kind of took him aside and said, See, Brian, this is why we don't let you talk to the press. Because <laughs> we were kind of thinking maybe we would do him. Or at least not explicitly say it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah, I, so, I, don't, uh, I don't know how much stock to put in that. I don't. Yeah, it's just a thing. Good um, to know that's Ben McKenzie inside the writers' room, but that's really yeah. yeah. Over at New York Comic Con, Ben McKenzie said Bullock really wears the weight of Gotham on his shoulders. I think you really see that this season, as Jim is kind of butting heads with him a lot, and Bullock is the guy doing what he has to do to keep things sort of settled in Gotham. He's giving over to Penguin. He's letting the department sort of look the other way on his crimes. Jim can't stand for that. But there's a weight and a price to be paid for sort of bucking up against the system. With uh, with us, the two of us, this conflict that starts off at the beginning of the season only gets deeper and deeper and deeper until the point where something has to break and at the end of the day their relationship breaks. That sounds sad, man. I love Bullock and Jim. I don't want them to break, man. I don't either. They're one of the great bromances on television right now. A little bit. But um, A little bit. They'll recover. Uh, again, because yeah. I believe they're one of the great bromances on television right now. Yeah. And it is inevitable. Which, you know. That is. Like, the, the fight between gray versus black slash white. Like, I get it. And they've they've developed their characters enough that they, you know, we can... It could be a really fun thing to watch. Mm-hmm. All right, so... Over to the Arrowverse. I'm going to get over into some some troubling news on his face dun, dun, dun. Here. Ah! <laughs> I don't know what that was. Seem to um, add to the nuance. So, uh, the ratings kind of suck. There were some casualties. And this is, yeah, this is all live, uh, same day in the 18 to 49 demo. It doesn't include, uh, plus seven numbers, which may be more kind, but, uh, Supergirl, um, the premiere, 1.86 million viewers, 0.5 in the demo. Uh, that ties with the series low, least view show in the time slot. The Flash had 2.8 million viewers in the premiere, 1.0 demo, least viewers for the time slot. Legends of Tomorrow, 1.74 million viewers, 0.6 demo, least viewers for its time slot, lost 1 million viewers from the Flash lead-in. That is bad. Yeah, that's rough. That is really bad. I mean, that is... What? What did you say the numbers were on that? 1.7 1.7 million viewers versus, versus 2.8 8? million viewers. Yeah. So they lost yeah. some... 
God. They lost a million viewers. 30, 30 plus percent? <laughs> yeah. It's not good. Arrow had 1.57 million viewers, 0.6 in the demo, least views of all of the other Arrowverse shows. Which, in all fairness, uh, has been the case for Arrow for a minute, give or take. Yeah. For comparison's sake, Gotham pulled 3.2 million viewers in its new night, which, by the way, was a loss from their side as well. Uh, it was a little down from their 3.4 million, but it is in line with its uh, season 3 finale of 3.2 million. Uh, Lucifer upticked in this new time slot from uh, its season 2 finale, three, uh, finality? finale 3.3 <laughs> and its season 2 average 3.7 to get 3.9 million viewers. Um, so yeah, the Arrowverse shows are, uh, I mean, look, I think all the shows are a little bit in trouble based on their respective networks. Maybe not Lucifer. A little bit. Lucifer, Lucifer okay. seemed like it was, it came out, it came out strong. And, and Gotham matched its season finale and wasn't really that far off its average. So that's not worrisome. Mm-hmm. I haven't actually looked, that was like a month ago. I haven't looked at the ratings since then, but if it stayed uh-huh. in that area, not the end of the world. It's been slowly declining by you know, the best part of a million or up to a million, I think, per season on average anyway. But that's what happens yeah. to shows over time. That's why they get canceled. Mm-hmm. They don't always make it. Um, yeah. Now, the Arrowverse, though, the these are low numbers, but it, this is one of those where you have to kind of wait and see about the plus seven numbers. You really do need to wait for the cord cutters to, to see how bad it is. Yeah. And, you know, I fully expect the next five to ten years, cord cutters are going to be the only thing that matters, really. Yeah, I think that's where it's going to trend. I mean, because they're not only, like, to be fair, they're not only looking at these ratings as to what's going on with, not even the plus sevens. They're also looking at Netflix numbers, you know? They're looking at what, like, what are we going to do when we hit Netflix in, you know, next year? Yeah. Oh, no, there's a a part Um, of them that's looking at the plus seven and thinking... Well, the plus seven numbers are stronger than the live and same day average or the live and same day numbers. Yeah. And, you know, when we look at our Netflix numbers, uh, there's a lot of binging happening in season one and two right now. Well, that's very encouraging. Mm-hmm. Well, then if I look at the live numbers later and they're only a little bit improved by all the binging of season one and two, but uh, the plus seven numbers from season three of Supergirl, for instance, are improved shortly after I see a binge jump. Well, great. Yeah. That's something. And I, th- I think it might actually affect things pretty heavily. Yeah. I'm not sure if that's a problem or a solution, but I've certainly been a part of it where I've seen one episode of a show or a glimpse of it and thought, oh, I'm going to go watch everything they do. And then I'll get back to the live version. Uh-huh. Yeah. So uh, The Flash had a trailer, family like the family therapy trailer. Mm-hmm. It's uh, basically either Iris and Barry are in uh, therapy and it looks like they're kind of wrestling for power in the group. And uh, I get the sense that uh, some fans are going to have some problems with Iris this season because she doesn't seem to be backing down from Barry here. Not that she necessarily should, just saying. Uh, based on the reaction, like, I don't know, it's like being a part of TV time and like just like being invested and in looking at, at everything when you when you watch stuff. There was so much backlash against Iris last last episode, which I kind of understood and kind of agreed with but um i'm not sure that this is gonna go away because uh of this trailer but anyway i mean she's gonna be the she's gonna ground him i mean he he comes back all i think that's where they're heading with this is he comes back all content 
all uh, uh-huh. all zen about he knows where things are and you know well you know there's gonna the, I think it's gonna matter the where is like he he thinks he's powerful bit, enough trailer. to be flippant and she's yeah you know, the other side of that I don't know about flippant either like he you know he says in that tra- in the trailer that uh he's the flash the the weight of it is all on him and she's like you're not the flash you're we the are flash? Yeah. <laughs> yeah and they have like the great you know everybody in the group hugging and whatnot yeah. I mean, it's been true, I did, I did kind of love the... Uh... He would have died several times over without his team. <laughs> yeah. It's been true. Uh, it, it, I, I don't think that part's debatable. No, what I really loved in the trailer, though... No, it's not debatable at all. What's really... What I love, <laughs> what I love about the, the trailer is them in therapy... Because he like speed races out of there, it looks mm-hmm. like, and she's like, "You're not gonna, you're not gonna write down that he ran out of here like that, are you?" She's like, "Oh, I absolutely am. I'm absolutely <laughs> writing that down." <laughs> um, yeah, and it was cool to see uh, Ralph Dibney. It was cool to see the elongated man. You know, it was cool to see Hazard, friggin' Danny uh, Trejo, Trejo popped up as Breacher, who's apparently gonna be, uh, you know, uh, Gypsy's father. Mm-hmm. Um, that looks fun. I'm down. That guy's this always looks like a fun season. I always like seeing him. He's rarely yeah. a fun character. Well, yeah, <laughs> that's, just, that's just how casting yeah. works. But man, I've always enjoyed well, you seeing know, him. I don't know. He's pretty fun and machete. Like it's ridiculous, just over the top bullshit. Oh, you know, he was heartbreaking in Marin. He was heartbreaking in uh in some ways in Breaking Bad. I don't think I got that far in Breaking Bad. You may not have. Oh, Tortuga. I feel like I should defend myself every time I say that, but I just can't. Just can't spend. You my should. Life, just can't spend my life defending myself. No, you should just spend your life a little bit of it watching Breaking Bad. You ass. Yeah. <laughs> With as much as you've like Listen, harassed refuse, me about Orville, refuses to finish Orville. I was gonna say. <laughs> you know what? Breaking Bad is like a million times better than Orville. I can guarantee it. No, you can't, because you haven't finished I one can, episode of it. I can absolutely guarantee it. I mean, I agree, and I've watched all of Orville plus <laughs> about four seasons of Breaking Bad before I just inexplicably didn't get to the next episode, and that just never got course corrected. I'm not defending my actions. I'm just saying. And not only Breaking Bad, but you, you your actions are no Bad, more you, defensible. Oh, they're way more defensible. Not true. Way more defensible. Don't give me shit about this, man. Star Trek dropped his first F-bomb this week. I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> <laughs> The fact that they've pulled an NYPD Blue does not mean that it is not a fuller, <laughs> more complete show. It might be. I don't know. I'm saying you're on the wrong side of history this one, Dave. Oh, God. I'm so sick of people saying that. You know, that's what Matt and Jeff say about us with BBS. That's what Matt and Jeff say with, uh, about us with BBS. Yo, on the I wrong know. side of history. I know it annoys you. It, it amuses me. But I'm right I'm like, this I'm not time. On the wrong side. I'm not on the wrong side of history. You know, I'm not fighting with the freaking South in the Civil War here. We're talking about TV shows. <laughs> and I pr- I might get to Orville at some point, but for now I've got to watch the thing that actually says Star Trek on the title, even if I don't think it is that. <laughs> I think, if anything, it's a great chance to jump ship. <laughs> no, I'm not jumping ship. I'll watch the... Like, look, Discovery's only, what, like, 13 episodes long? Maybe. I don't. I don't know what they're doing with Orville. But you know, I'm I'm gonna wait with Orville. I am totally gonna wait until I see that they are gonna uh, that they're gonna renew it. They have that is an expensive ass show. It's not that expensive. I've been I, seriously. I've been looking at that pretty closely. It's not as expensive as it appears. How much is it? Three I, three million an episode? I don't know. I'm just gauging it against other 
uh, sci-fi properties, but I'd wager less than three. And I I think they're getting the return. I mean, they dropped from like an eight million uh, eight million viewers at the beginning of the season to like three million viewers. I saw three and a in half like six last weeks time I, last time I saw, like which is weeks. also relatively normal. I mean, Supergirl went from twelve million to six. Yeah, and like but that three was weeks. Like, that was on CBS, and well, now CBS on CW. and Fox have uh, very similar expectations. It's one of the major networks. Well, yeah, but CBS probably wasn't gonna like they didn't want Supergirl anymore because it was too expensive. Which that was for other reasons too. But well, that only happened was a though, after it didn't make a shit ton of money. It's it's hard to compare the two because Supergirl had a licensing fee for being on CW that they don't normally have on WB, which was a big part of the anyway problem pushing it over. Yeah, that's fair. No. Um, Orville faces none of these problems, no licensing expectations. Uh, I think it's cheaper than you would expect to actually do. I'm inadvertently doing a pitch for Orville in the middle of our DC show, but whatever. Yeah. Um, I, I, it hangs together and it, it's guest stars indicate to me that it has the budget to Look, do way more than it has indicated. There is no pitch you that me. you, there is no pitch for Orville that you can give me that is going to make me uh, want to watch it more than the fact that Norm Macdonald is on it. That's entirely fair. Yeah. Um, but at this juncture, I have too many damn shows, and Orville's going to have to take the hit because I don't have faith in it that it'll last. You said the same of Constantine. I did say the same to Constantine, and then I went back when Constantine ended, and I watched it. And I enjoyed it. I know. You had to, you know, sometimes look, man, you can't watch everything. You I just understand. Can't. I understand. I'm, I, I, I'm. The only problem, the biggest problem to me, though, is I feel like I've already watched Orville because, like, my youngest sister watches the Orville and she tells me, she's like, oh, yeah, they did this and it was pretty cool. Uh, and, uh, so you're but, getting, like, you know, recaps every week and not, not never like, really miss much? Like, not like spoilers, but, like, you know, kind of just things were like, and, you know, I'm getting this from Matt Carroll over the MCU cast, too. Yeah. So we're he's all like, assaulting oh, yeah, you. It's, Sorry. Yeah. It's like, you know, and, but they're like privately like they're all going like and you're not because you don't know the material enough but they're like oh yeah it's like sense of the father on star trek next generation i'm like okay like oh, oh yeah well, I, this episode is this episode of star trek have fate that seth mcfarlane knows the material well enough <laughs> oh i absolutely know seth mcfarlane knows what he's doing i mean i but... think it was like episode six that just aired and i swear he's written half of the episode so far are you sure gene roddenberry didn't <laughs> inspired by is not a credit <laughs> thus far in WGA's <laughs> terms. If there was a show that was going to do it, it's either going to be Family Guy or The Orville. Oh, The Simpsons would do it first. You know that. That's why I said Family Guy, because they pretty much take most of their shit from The Simpsons. <laughs> yeah. So much so that they even made fun of it in the crossover. As did South Park. Yeah, well. <laughs> South Park's, uh, it's an accepted... South Park's job in the... And the community is to point out everyone else's small dick. That's South Park's job in any community. <laughs> and it does it so well, I have to admit. After what seems anyway. like, uh, honestly, it's the, like, you realize it's the greater part of our lifetimes that that's been around. Anyway, that's a uh, different conversation. I prefer not to think of uh, things in terms of time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, all right. We should get back to actual news. To to quote a great man, I don't want to talk about it, Robin. It depresses me. <laughs> <laughs> back to Flash news. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Executive producer Todd Helbing says, uh, "I think having Zoom and then followed up by Savitar, you know, I can understand that feeling. This because trying to reinvent, you know, like a new power." For an evil speedster or what they can do, like we 
can't have it just so who's faster for the entirety of the series. But, I mean, there's certainly speedsters in the canon of Flash that we want to explore and we want on the show and everybody. Like, Reverse Flash, to me personally, is one of my favorite villains, one of my favorite speedsters. So I love that guy to pop up now and again. You know what I mean? But I think it was refreshing, and it's just been a lot of fun this year not having to constantly come up with new ideas for how a speedster could pose a threat to Barry. So it's fun, and it's new, and it's a change. uh, Sorry, it's a new challenge. But I think uh, having speedsters in the mythology of the show is never going to change. That's good. I'd like to see more speedsters. Yeah, I like them being around, but I I like the overall idea that we're going to lay off for just a second. Yeah. He also talks about some of the new characters coming up on The Flash. He says you get to see Kilgore show up, which is a lot of fun, as well as Amy Net Black, played by Katie Sackhoff. I'm excited about that one. You uh, get to see Hazard, which is one of the lightest episodes in some regards that we've ever done, and the most power and the most fun power that a villain has had. Um, and then he talks about a long man, Ralph Dibney. He says, um, like in the comic books, he's a private investigator. Ralph has detective skills that rival Batman's. We tackle his abilities, which are going to be fun to do in live action. We're altering his backstory a little bit. He and Barry have this shared checkered past. The two of them don't get along from the onset. That sounds phenomenal. That sounds like a lot of fun to me. Yeah. I want to see that. Um, the only thing I was confused by was, um, one of the more lighthearted episodes being Hazard. Where, oh yeah, why not? I, well, why I mean, I, it, I just I, I know it's coming up this week, and it's a, a show where he balloons into an umpalipa, or not even an umpalipa. Uh, like it, his suit turns into a life vest, it makes him a circle. Yeah. And I'm yeah. having trouble imagining a more lighthearted take than his flotation device being ill-conceived. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but they'll get there, and I'm sure it'll be funny. Yeah. I think that's uh they're actually going to that's uh, a reference to some of the old comics. The um oh gosh what was it? I've always just heard it referred to as the Fat Flash. <laughs> like the day Flash weighed a thousand pounds, I think. Yeah. Um and actually that one uh I think that ha- that story had an elongated man in it as far as I remember. But it's been a while. Um yeah. that, that I think they're be, just gonna that would be cool to pull something like that and introduce him. I don't I don't know I don't know the details on when Elongated's showing up. Yeah. Soon. I don't know. Soon. Maybe. Like give us you know, give us a month. <laughs> anyway. Maybe in that time period. But. I'm sorry guys, I'm not one to remember uh issue numbers and stuff. I just <laughs> my my brain goes away. Yeah. Oh you would be heavily employed Ooh. if you could do it by episode number. I am not Jeff Johns. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Todd Helbing also says that Flash will get a new superpower at some point this season. He says it's pretty cool. I, I'm interested to see what that is. Um, no idea. As I, I want to hope that Harry, he can make that little thing where he just like steps several times and makes a way to lift himself up. But it seems like he can already run up buildings in this for universe. So who cares? <laughs> um, Andrew Kreisberg on the subject of uh, of Harry says we're picking up with Harry. We felt like we managed to pull off three different wells in three years, and rather than just going and doing another wells, we definitely felt like there was more meat on the bone with Harry. Harry is a genius, and his daughter is safe, and she's the Flash on Earth 3. And he's one of those people who's realizing that he doesn't have a life. So season four for Harry is really really realizing what he's been missing in his life and what he needs to become a better, more complete person. Uh, so he's going to be going on a fairly epic emotional journey this season that is tied to the Thinker's plan, and we're really excited about it. It's probably something a little bit more emotional than we've ever done for that character, but Tom is such a phenomenal actor. We know he'll knock it out of the park. 
It'll also say that, or, or I'll also say that Harry won't be the only Wells we'll see this season. I'm excited about that. I'd love to have Tom Cavanaugh. Everything he said sounded great. I, I that just... was one of my big major issues with the season premieres. We didn't have any Tom Cavanaugh. I really wanted to see Tom. I mean, always want to really see Tom. I, I, he's getting to, to like to direct this season. He's there. You're gonna get Tom Cavanaugh back. And I love the character of Harry, and I I enjoy seeing the alternate Wells. I'm down. I want all of this. I really did agree, though, uh, with that take of it. Is like Harry has the most meat on the bone. I completely agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kreisberg also talked about uh, the thinker. He says it's been interesting because none of the none of us are geniuses, so it's been interesting putting all. No kidding. It's been interesting <laughs> putting all of our Reiner brain. That was a needless slam, Dave. What's wrong with you? Um, I actually it's been I, I thought about us too when you said that and thought, "Yep, no shit. Go on." <laughs> oh yeah definitely us um it's been interesting putting all of our writer brains together to come up with something that is worthy of somebody who is supposed to be the world's fastest mind last season by the back half of the season we really zeroed in on savitar and his motivations and whatnot but i think early on in the season it wasn't as clear to us and i think that showed on screen this season we worked really hard really really hard to really understand what the thinker wants and why he's doing it and how he's going about it as you're watching these first episodes you really see that there's a chess match going on in the beginning, our guys don't even realize that they're playing against him. But then you watch as they're realizing that somebody's manipulating events and pulling the strings, watching them move and counter-move in episodes as it's all building to a big confrontation. That all sounds cool. I hope they don't Nolan it and just start making weird shit up that doesn't make a lot of sense and then claiming that it's just because it's such a sophisticated plot. That is actually well put. <laughs> I haven't described. I, I haven't actually heard the 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 Nolan problem described that way, but that makes sense to me. <laughs> no, I, I they they faced a similar problem last year, where Savitar was supposed to be uh, time knowledgeable. I'll call it. So he, he uh-huh. was supposed to be ahead of the game, and in, insofar as he had seen all the pieces on that chessboard move that way already, so no big deal. Uh huh. So there was still, but it it is still part of one time frame. This is one instance of all the possibilities of time, and he's seen it. So they got to play with us a little bit about whether, like, well, we can mess with time. Mm-hmm. In this one, I like the idea that they've upped the ante. This isn't just a guy who's seen this happen before. This is a guy who can predict your moves on any board. I mean, that yeah. might be that might be really cool. It also was just kind of nice to... I, I like the perspective of uh, the writers saying, okay, none of us are this cool. So we tried to combine no. pieces to form an entity that might conceivably be this interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I guess we'll see. Yeah. I, I don't know. I like that perspective. It. I, I feel like that's very realistic. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Um... Here's some sort sort of exciting news. Uh, we're getting John Constantine back, uh, back to some degree. Uh, he's going to be a, appearing on Legends of Tomorrow, which is the not exciting part of that. <sighs> I feel like the lead. I want to like Legends. I feel like the of lead has been buried so here more. very heavily. I, I mean, I, I I personally would have just recorded one episode of me just saying Constantine's back. Sure. I, yeah, but you know, I know it's tempered by the fact that he's on Legends. It is. It absolutely is. I'm sorry. I can't help it. Even I, the most positive among us have, have bemoaned this choice. I do, on the one hand, agree that Legends isn't the strongest property to bring him back to. On the other hand, fuck all that. Constantine's back. 
Maybe. That wins. I, like, for me, that wins. But yeah, sure, it wins. It's just mighty bloodied after that battle. <laughs> Do you need a cigarette? <laughs> <laughs> Do you need a nice, so yeah, Matt- a nice long draw of you uh, puffing a thing but not actually showing you inhaling or lighting it, only exhaling and not actually having it in your mouth? Is that... I don't even know what you're talking about anymore, man. <laughs> Those are all the restrictions they put on the NBC show. Oh, okay. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> it's been a long day, man. I don't know, but I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, yeah, so Matt Ryan is going to reprise the Constantine role on episodes 9 and 10 of Legends of Tomorrow. 309 will be the next episode to air after the four-part crossover is wrapped up on episode 8 of Legends. Phil Klemmer said about the return, As for the character of Constantine, we knew that an alienated, chain-smoking, bisexual, world-weary demonologist would feel right at home among our legends. His appearance in episode 310 will involve the following, a revisiting of Arrow season 4 and the events following that season's finale episode, a confrontation with this season's big bad on legends, the name we've only heard whispered until now, Malice, some hot sex, something that has been in short supply on the Wave Rider thus far in Season 3, and Damien Dark, because how can you do an episode about dark magic and not even have Damien Dark? More than anything, the episode promises to be scary, as you know what, tonally, it's the exorcist meets one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Demonic possession in a mental institution was not to love. Clemmer also told Rotten Tomatoes that an exorcism will be performed during the arc. Uh, yeah, okay. That... I like the fact that it's getting back to his roots, where like he was in an asylum and performs a semi-exorcism in like yeah. the pilot for Constantine. Yeah, I I do love that. Also, I I I want to kind of just predict uh, maybe some mention of Damien Dark's resurgence, and um, maybe Constantine mentioning something like, "Do you think you can kill a bloke like Damien Dark with an arrow?" Uh huh. You poor sod. <laughs> right. Oh, who knows? But the episode, the synopsis for episode four of Legends has the team return to 1988 to save Ray from a death caused by their blowing up the timeline. They find young Ray has taken a youngster dominator under his wing. The episode will be aptly titled Phone Home and will air on Halloween. That sounds wretched. <laughs> That's tough. <laughs> I disagree. Carry on. Really? You heard that a thing was going to be set in 1988 and you didn't scoff immediately? You hate the 80s. Yeah, not not in nostalgia form. What the hell else form is there? We're in 2017. The 80s only exist in nostalgia now. Yeah, All right, when people uh, revisit the notion of the 80s, the late 80s, I, I can actually kind of deal with it. Like, <laughs> like uh, Stranger Things and Ghosted are uh-huh. two great examples right now. Because Stranger Things, do you actually watch that? I watched now? Stranger Things. Yes, Stranger Things was phenomenal. Right. Have you seen but Ghosted it was... so far? No, I don't know what that is. Yeah, Adam Scott and okay. uh, that guy from The Office whose name I cannot remember, and I'm sorry. Oh, uh, yeah, I don't care. I'm not going to watch it. But The guy that was trying to sell me a, a Kia Dart for, for so long. I don't know what that means. Uh, Anyway, like the it, it's like a nostalgic <laughs> trend. <laughs> the point is the I'm soundtrack. Sorry. Is, is nostalgic, where, like, to me, those sounds that I didn't appreciate at all when I was hearing them, I, I, they've grown on me in a way where, like, part of me is like, oh, yeah, 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 that kind of reminds me of some uh-huh. of the Ghostbusters stuff. I can get that. 
Yeah. Yeah. Especially in Ghosted. Uh, Stranger Things has like a Stephen King kind of feel to it. You can always get around. Um, uh-huh. Some part of me always thinks like, oh, yeah, yeah. That's the sound David Byrne didn't choose to use for that song. <laughs> All right. Just, I'm sorry. I always thought he had a pretty, like, for the technology as it went around, as it came to be, he had a pretty good uh-huh. ear for, oh, nope, this is a timeless sound. I'll use that. Yeah, Whereas it's totally I'll, not a timeless sound because I hear David Byrne and all I hear is the 80s, but, you know, whatever, guy. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I embrace the '80s. I enjoy the '80s. I don't. I don't know what your issue is. That freaking snare. <laughs> Never have. You know what that issue is. Uh, yeah, I, I do. I do. But you can't pin the entire '80s on one echoing snare drum. You just I, can't. I can't. I, I pin it on a false minimalist movement. Uh, 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 whatever I call it, an overambitious <laughs> use of computers and a general lack of taste, possibly fueled yeah. by cocaine. Sure. There you go. You know, I, I, you know, the the echoey snare drum can be a little annoying to me, but my biggest problem with the '80s is just like, like it, uh, maybe I'm crazy, but there are no damn drums. There are no damn drums. All the beats are just synthesized. Yeah. Yeah. It's all just like very clearly digitized loops and shit. Like that's my problem with it. But oh, it is we're just now music. more than we're not ever, even talking about anything. But uh, now it sounds better because there are better beat kits. Well, that's fine. As long as I don't know the difference, I'm fine. Damned if I've ever heard a more, I don't know, realistic and applicable sentence. <laughs> as long as I don't know the difference, <laughs> I'm fine. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> perfect. Absolutely perfect. Look, I, I'm i an Nine Inch Nails fan. I cannot possibly tell the difference between when real drums and synthetic drums are used. I can't. I'm not that good a listener. Sorry. But I love Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. So I, I'm lost exactly what you said. If I can't tell the difference, I'm happy. Yeah. Yep. Anyway. Um, it's been a fun music discussion. We'll go back to DC TV news. Okay. Um, the word from Deadline Hollywood is that Victor Garber will be leaving the Legends somewhere during this season of Legends uh, of Tomorrow. He's uh, scheduled to return to Broadway uh, for a run of Hello Dolly, which will begin January 20th. Uh, no word yet on when and how he will take his leave, but the showrunners say it's been planned. Everybody is uh, filming the crossover event right now, so we can most likely count on seeing Stein through the end of 2017's air dates. WBTV and CD, bleh, CW have yet to comment on the story one way or the other. And uh, Victor, I'm guess. down for Victor Garber leaving. It could benefit the show. Not his fault that that's maybe a benefit of the show, but it could benefit the show. Well, Jason, even though we only see each other once a week, we still share a psychic bond. Which we should exposit uh, (laughs) every time we see one another. I know I only saw you for breakfast, Jefferson, but we still share a psychic bond. But it's now 9.30 a.m. on a given day, so we should mention to each other, out loud, even though we have a psychic bond where we could maybe mention that internally. Yeah. Victor, don't we think... Shh. Call me Gray. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> gray. I'm real worried about this, Gray. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um, and that's another instance of us being a dick. Sorry. I enjoyed the Legends premiere, but that was... Slightly, that was bad. That was egregious. I enjoyed parts of it. Anyway. 
Uh, so over to Arrow season six, season, sizzle reel, sizzle reel. What the hell? Yeah, the sizzle reel. Season six has a, yeah, a sizzle reel. Well, that was legend. Seize it because it's real. <laughs> a two arrow. That <laughs> <laughs> was hopefully the goofiest thing I've said in some time. <laughs> uh, Arrow season six has a sizzle reel. That's a tongue twister. If you want to check it out, uh, we now. <laughs> Have our first glimpse of Michael Emerson's mystery bad guy, Slade Wilson's son, Richard Dragon, as well as a as a co- return confirmations for Vigilante and Alina of Helix. I'm down for all of that. Yeah. Yes, please. Yeah. Nothing about that scissor reel disappointed me. No. Uh, Guggenheim talked a little bit about Michael Emerson. We are talking about him playing a character who's got a lot more nuance than the typical creepy guy role that he is often cast in. We've had a lot of creative discussions with him, and I think that's one of the things that has us excited uh, and has excited Michael. That we really want to create a character in consultation and in conjunction with him. It's not just, here's the script, go. It's a really interesting two-way back and forth. That's cool. I mean, at this point, Emerson is so... uh, I mean, he has so much clout. You just That's the way you do it. He's got a little, he's got a little gravity. Mm-hmm. Um, Wendy Miracle is saying, um, on whether Royal returns, he says, for us, it's really going to come down to Thea. We talked a lot in the writer's room about what Roy has been doing in the years he's been away from Star City. Right now, the idea that we're toying around with is he's gotten himself into some hot water. When he comes back, it's for a couple of reasons. It's probably to ask for some help and also because he and Thea have some unfinished business in the relationship department. That's a relationship that we felt season four played very well and it's something we'd like to continue and see where we go. So I guess she's not going to stay in the coma. Mm, no, no. I, but I, I don't think that was ever considered. Also, she says when, so just a matter of mm-hmm. time between the convergence of his wayward character and uh, her. And I Did we make fun of this enough for me to go ahead and reference the fact that, like, her being... I mean, it's, it's William's mom dead, and then she's in a coma, and there's some otherwise some tragedy. But, like, oh, my God, who lives, who dies? Mm-hmm. Well, pretty much everyone lives. <laughs> Give or take. Yeah, except for Mer- Merlin and Samantha. I mean, we knew Merlin was gone. We knew Merlin. We knew Samantha. But, yeah. Well, we could guess Samantha with some relatives, certainly. It was an educated guess. Yeah. No one runs off into the distance like that and expects to live in an actual thing that's being filmed. Also, trailers don't show William living with his father if uh, there's a Samantha around to take him back. Yeah. Anywho, yep. uh, Guggenheim talks about a little bit like what <laughs> Guggenheim talks a little bit about what happened to Thea. He says we love Willa, we love Thea the character, and we particularly love Thea's relationship with Oliver. That said, Willa came to us at the end of season four. And she very honestly expressed a desire to cut back how many episodes a season she was doing. Uh, apparently she wanted more time to look scowly and smoking her cigarettes on Instagram. He says she's a member <laughs> She's a member of our Everyone family does. and we wanted to honor that request. Sure, who doesn't? Uh, that's what happens when you have a show that goes over 100 episodes. People start to think, hey, I want to pull back. Some people don't want to renew their contracts. There's a whole host of different things that start to come into play and you work that into the storytelling. Um... Going forward, he says, all I can really say, you can interpret this however you want, is Willa is back on the show, and we are doing flashbacks from people's perspectives that does not always include Oliver's. I'll let you extrapolate from that what you will. 
Well, that's not news. They've been doing that since the beginning. Just maybe not as much. Right. Um. Hmm. It's fine. That's that's what Willa's thing was last year. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly what her life plan is, but it. The whole point is don't read into Thea's diminishing role in the show for the show's sake. Mm-hmm. They're just writing around that. Yeah, I mean, I can see it now. People screaming, no Thea, no Arrow. I'm like, shut up. Willa didn't want to be on the show anymore. Oh. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, yeah, it's not the writer's choice that not, just attribute that where it belongs. That's all. Yeah. She's, uh, you know, I've seen this accusation too, so I'll just say this. She's not a woman in a refrigerator. She's a woman in like the freaking Bahamas or some crap posting on Instagram. That's what it is. Like, <laughs> she doesn't want to be on the show anymore as much. Um, I've actively seen people complaining about that. I'm like, that's not what's happening. Yeah. She doesn't want to be there. She's got her own life. That I mean, these shows too. are like what? Like 16. Yeah. I mean, I... these shows are like 16 hour a day endeavors yeah i don't even want to blame her i mean you just get fed up with the place after a while and god man i mean yeah this will this will take a toll yeah absolutely anyway uh did you see the constantine animated trailer of course i did it was pretty phenomenal wasn't it loved it yeah cwc dropped a trailer for the constantine animated series at the uh recent new york comic-con it's our first look at the show, and it features cigarettes, surliness, and a demon on demon violence. So, some promotional art for the series was also dropped. No word on the air date yet, but uh, damn, I'm down for it. Oh, it's it's kind of perfect for his character. This is the most this is the most fun I've had watching any of these uh, Arrowverse animated things. Yeah, it's easily yeah. Like just just the existence of this Constantine trailer feels like a middle finger to the Vixen cartoon. It just, <laughs> I'm not, just does. I'm not sure it's it's that far. Because I like I know they're proud of what happened on Vixen, but I think they were trying to do too much and didn't get to focus on anything. Whereas I think with Constantine, uh-huh. they they got to just focus on doing it correctly, and it does. It looks uh, it looks different. Like Vixen, Vixen looks stunted. Uh huh. It it. Looks like they didn't get to animate it correctly. Like there are moments where they're missing pieces of of the puzzle. Which you know the Blu-ray, which I haven't actually sat down and watched, has like 15 minutes of extra footage. It may, but it just seems like certain shots are off. I yeah. I really should compare that before I say that. Even still, what actually happened was it it looked like stilted conversation animated by slightly awkward animation. Yeah. Uh, the Constantine bit. And I, I hope I'm not just saying this because we love the character. The Constantine bit looks like actual animation. That the Constantine bit looks like a raging, rigid middle finger vixen. Is what it looks like. <laughs> At once, I'm not sure I agree with you, and I'm not sure I also didn't just talk myself into agreeing with you. I don't think it's that. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I don't think it's that deep, man. I'm just messing but, with you. Uh, <laughs> but I do kind of see where like, you're coming from. So that's something. Yeah, I seriously feel like I seriously feel like they like looked at it and went, "Dude, people care too much about Constantine." Like Vixen was kind of like a you know we're we're gonna try some stuff right now, but people t- care too much about Constantine. Like con- the Constantine stuff. Like uh, seriously, like I truly believe this. This. Like they they put out you know that Ray the the Freedom Fighters the Ray trailer mm-hmm. a while ago 
The Constantine stuff looks better than that. It looks better than Vixen. It's like they're actually putting a lot of effort into the Constantine thing. Because I feel like they, they're like, nope, this comes with the fan base already. We've got we've to make this good. I don't know if it's effort. That's the way I feel. It, it, I don't know if it's effort or luck. I really don't. Uh, but even even if you look at the promo art for it, it still has that circular effect. Uh, that like the the Constantine uh, opening credits, I really loved. Uh, first of all, the music is mm-hmm. phenomenal. The music, the music yes. is fantastic, and uh, that circular effect it uses, like fading demons into markings and stuff like that. That's God, that was good, and it, yeah. it at least mimics that having those demons surround Constantine in that promo art. Yeah, I I I don't know. I mean, I I don't know how it compares to the other properties exactly. Yeah, it, I'm. I don't. I would like to reflect better on the the previous properties, but yeah, like the raid doesn't look as straightforward. Doesn't look as yeah smooth. It, it maybe that's what it is. Smooth is the word I want. Like the Constantine trailer looked smooth. The other ones haven't. Right. There was some still. <laughs> just sounds like the old '90s slang. You remember when we were teenagers and people were like, "Oh man, that's smooth." <laughs> Before that guy from Matchbox 20 uh, took the phrase. Right. It's just like the ocean, man. Under the moon. Yeah. Same as the emotion that I get from you. Yeah. Thomas and uh, I know Carlos. you get the kind of loving that could be so smooth. They were smooth. Give me your heart, man, or else forget about it. <laughs> I would feel bad. <laughs> I would feel bad about you just like giving that entire set of lyrics. <laughs> But oh my god, that was that was top of the charts for like honestly like six it was, weeks. It was like a year, man. <laughs> no man, they just played that shit on the radio for like a year. Well, they played it on the radio, but it was, it was just like, like number one for yeah. Anyway, portions of months was one rather of those, than weeks. Yeah, it was one of those weird situations where it was like, well, they're technically different artists, so. This hour on on the rock oh, station, we're gonna play "Smooth" by Rob Thomas and Santana. Then we're gonna play a song by uh, Matchbox Twenty, and then we're gonna play a song from uh, Rob Thomas's solo album. I'm like, yep, it's just you know, you just half of your the, of that like thirty minute block or whatever was like Rob Thomas. <laughs> All right. <laughs> whatever. Yeah. I have my two Matchbox Twenty posters. I got nothing to say. I contributed. And I'm happy about it, damn it. I like Matchbox 20. <laughs> I've never been able to completely get behind you, but uh, sorry. I like that song. They're fans of Tom Petty, and they worked with Willie Nelson and Santana. What the hell do you want from me? They've earned their stripe. Moving on. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, so there's a new poster for Freedom Fighters, The Ray. Uh, and the most surprising takeaway from the poster is the appearance of the Flash's Cisco Ramon, a.k.a. Vibe, uh, who had not been seen in the first trailer. Now, given uh, Vibe's Earth-hopping powers, is certainly a good fit for the alternate universe team. Sure. Um, we don't know really how he's going to fit into the first season. But it looks like also joining the roster is going to be Red Tornado from Supergirl's first season. We're going to get Phantom Lady, Black Condor, what looks to be some sort of a version of Dollman. Uh, they're going to be, uh, 
leading the resistance on Earth X, an alternate timeline where the Nazis won World War II. That's a favorite among the sci-fi writers, you know. Mm-hmm. Nazis won World War II. What are we gonna do? What I don't know. Do? Let's look at a couple know. of Star. Let's look at those Star Trek episodes that did it and see what they did. Right. Do something a little different. Um, <laughs> it's I'm it's thinking like dystopia. the only thing I'm actually disappointed about. I I love the crossover and how much they're committed, but I'm. I'm a little played out on the, like, what if the Nazis won? Yeah. And from the looks of it, I haven't gotten to look at it yet to actually really watch it. It looks like uh, the man in the high castle is doing the best version of that. That is actually what I've heard. Just the rumblings, and, but uh, yeah. Yeah. I really want to watch that show. So I've it's based on Philip K. Dick, of course. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, fighting against the Freedom Fighters, though, will be um, several evil versions of the Arrow versus Heroes, Overgirl, Supergirl. Uh, evil versions of the Flash and Green Arrow. Um, now, before it de- debuts, Arrowverse viewers will be introduced to the Ray in this year's crossover Crisis on Earth X. The two might, uh, sorry, the two night event will see the Earth X characters crash the wedding of uh, the Flash and Iris West, and hopefully answer a few questions along the way. Uh, I, you know, uh, I guess I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> I mean, I, I really am looking forward to it. It's going to be a, like a comprehensive, cool thing. The mm-hmm. only thing I have against it is the Nazi thing. I don't like that paradigm. It's just very spent to me. Yeah, me too. I, I mean, it's a bummer. It, you know, that part um, is. I, I like that part is. But they, on the one hand, they haven't had the chance to lead up to anything different. On the other, more derogatory hand, using Nazis is and using earth x and using the the ability to cross over times and, and you know multiverse pinpoints you have also the ability to just kind of create your own reality mm-hmm. which i have trouble separating sometimes from the create your own reality as opposed to mind control which yeah. i've been annoyed before because avengers 2 copied it because the crossover last year copied that idea I get a little tired, I think rightfully, of, oh, there's mind control, so Supergirl's now a bad guy. Yep. I I want there to be organic evolution and then organic consequences. Yep. Which is, you know, one of the more probably, probably one of the more optimistic things I can say about uh, Captain America Civil War. It all kind of made sense. Maybe Superman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, in that sense, the terrestrial comp- uh, like complications and, and consequences of those made sense. Whereas, mm-hmm. like, this is probably going to be a really fun car- crossover. I, I, I doubt very seriously I'm going to watch all this and go, that was bullshit. Didn't make sense. It wasn't motivated, blah, blah, blah. I, I'm just going yeah. to enjoy myself. I know I am because it's going to be a sci-fi adventure and it's going to be a, like, it's probably going to be a knock it out of the park kind of thing. It's going to be a four-hour process on top of all that. Like, it, There's a lot of this that I'm going to enjoy, but if you ask me about the premise of like, well, what if we did Earth X and the Nazis, I'd have told you, yeah, you should probably think about something else. Mm-hmm. I agree. All right, so uh, Joe McCabe talked about it briefly. He mentioned it on our show on uh, the 100 Things Batman Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die interview. Uh, but, hey... Let's talk about it officially. Batman v. Uh, sorry, uh, Batman v. Superman. Uh, Batman the Animated Series. Warner Brothers has announced officially that it is going to be getting a Blu-ray release because of how well the Batman: The Mask of the Phantasm Blu-ray sold. Uh, you can you know thank me among many others, of course, for that development. Um, 
<laughs> I now own at least three different copies of that movie. <laughs> yes, VHS, DVD, and now Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. All we know as of now, though, is it'll be a uh, full run and that it'll be released uh, later, quote, later in 2018. We don't know if it'll be a complete series set or what, but, um, you know, it'll go on my wish list mm-hmm. for sure. Oh, my God, dude. You know what they're doing now? You know, not even, not, well, maybe it's Warner Brothers. The hell, it is Cartoon Network. Freaking Samurai Jack the Complete Series. Like, oh, oh, I want it. <laughs> oh, that was that was way off my radar. I've seen it, but I have no idea what they're talking about. Well, you know, they came back for like a, um, they left it on a cliffhanger, and then they came back and did, and I haven't gotten to see the, the rest of it, but uh, they came back for a fifth season like this last year or so, and like, and finished the story finally after all these years, and, uh Dude, I want to. I'll, I'll, I want to get all up on that. Absolutely. I, literally, I saw that that happened. That's all I know about it. Yeah, gorgeous show. Really cool. Mm. Anyway, uh, that's all I've got, man. You, you have anything? You know, I think I don't. Cool. Well, I guess we're gonna wrap this up. Uh, so the thing is, is we're partners with uh, TV Time now. So um, you know, we, when we post reviews of the premiere, the mid-season finale, or the season finale, uh, that that stuff's gonna show up on uh, TV Time, and we're gonna probably show up at some point on uh, some of the older stuff as well. But um, you can also find me, David C. Robertson, on TV Time. I'm sure you can find Jason on there. I know he, he uses the app. What's your username on there, man? Not a clue. That tracks. I'll look into that. And, uh, <laughs> that absolutely tracks. I don't even think we're friends on there. Nope. Like, I don't even think we follow each other. That's really weird. Nope. Um, yeah, that all, that all makes sense for me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so over on Twitter, you can, we tweeted uh, DC on screen. You can find us over there. Uh, you can like us on Facebook, email us DC on screen at gmail.com. Find every episode, DC on screen.com. Um, or you can call us, leave us a voicemail, 205-259-6331. That's 205-259-6331. Leave us a voicemail. We'll post it. We'll put it on the show. We'll talk about it. Uh, you know, some people haven't been extremely happy with the way they came off, but we didn't edit it. Whatever. Sorry. You read it. You you said it. Whatever. You read it. You said it. Um, so, yeah. Only so much we can do there. That's the end. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'll be honest, we've had so much going on, so many episodes, we're not going to do any new, any, any special thing this week. We're going to see you guys next week on the next news episode, because I'm, I'm old and I'm tired and my joints hurt, damn it. There's a little bit of regrouping ahead of us. That's right. I had a friend. That's a good way to put it. I had it. a friend once describe it um, as an overdue meeting with the cold side of a pillow. <laughs> Have you seen seen some of these pillows that they're advertising now that stay cool all the time? Like, no matter what? No. No. Fuck that black magic. (laughs) (laughs) Pillows are supposed to be cool until they're not. That's how they work. (laughs) I don't think I would trust anything else. Like, if it was too cool as I put my head to it, I would think I would wake up with a frostbitten ear. That would genuinely worry me. I, 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 I... I get it. See, that is part of the problem. Like, if it's cold outside, if it's, like, wintry, and I'm freezing, I don't want a cool pillow. I want my pillow that's going to get warm when I lay on it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Some sort of insulated format that that holds your warmth against it. You can all get together over the course of the night and have a restful sleep. Now, Mm -hmm. 
and I talk about this as someone who has ever had a restful sleep, which is a lie. So um, I, I just, I should back out. I realize now I should just back out of this conversation entirely. Whatever works for you, man. Don't know. I've never slept more than about an hour and a half contiguously in my entire life. <laughs> you know, I I'm used to doing have that it problem, wrong. But, yeah. The more I, the older I get, the more I sleep. You know, solidly throughout the night. You know, I used to have problems like I couldn't go to sleep. My brain would be working all the time. Now, like I don't even remember hitting the pillow, man. Like I hit my thirties and that was done. <laughs> it's nothing like that I can name you the 12 times I woke up during a night 12 is a pretty conservative figure the 12 times I woke up during the night just to turn and which arm I was trying to relieve of duty as I turned yeah. cause you know that thing where like you, you sleep kind of on your face three quarter turn or whatever and, and you're doing it kind of on your bicep uh-huh. I mean I, I'll do that and wake up I, I, I even have a procedure mapped out for when I wake up in the morning Plus my five minutes news, um, where I like I, I almost get that extra couple minutes of sleep. I guess it's not really good sleep, but whatever. I get to lay around for a second and stretch my my arms in a way where like I'll I'll go from uh, when I wake up at you know X time in the morning, my left arm's extended. Great. Well, I'll set the set the snooze or I'll hit snooze instead of disarm or whatever, and then and then extend my right arm and try to give that a shot. And it's it's a whole gamble. It's basically like a stretching exercise that happens very horizontally over a prescribed five-minute interval. Cool, man. This is not healthy behavior I'm describing. No, it's not. If you recognize anything I've just said, please fix yourself. How are you going to fix yourself, man? I don't know. Well, I guess we'll have to leave that one on a cliffhanger. I mean, I got nothing. Meditation? I don't fucking know. <laughs> Been working on this for a few decades. I don't know. Yeah. Well, if anyone has any uh, any suggestions for Jason and his sleep patterns, I'll take them. Uh, you know, feel free to let us know what's going on. And uh, we love you guys for listening. Uh, again, if you want to support the show, go give us some uh, some good some good words over on iTunes. That's the biggest place, probably. Yeah. And, um... Nope, it's pretty much the biggest place, man. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that is. I didn't mean to sound... That actually is. <laughs> You're like, eh. I'm like, no, it is. Stop. Sorry. <laughs> um, but, yeah, we'll be back next week with some more news. So, until then, keep some DC on your screen. <laughs> Our opening narration was from Dan Jurgens' The History of the DC Universe, Part 3 of 10, as featured in DC 52, Week 4. It was performed by me, David Z. Robertson. Intro music by Jason Goss and Michael Shackelford. Michael's band, Future Elevators, can be found on Spotify or future-elevators.com. Our introduction was performed by Eli Ophelders of Stealing the Remote, which lives on SoundCloud and can be found on iTunes and Stitcher. We're a proud member of the Giant Size Team Up Network, giantsizeteamup.com. DC On Screen is a maladjusted production. Visit maladjusted.tv for more from me and Jason, including sketch comedy and improvised web series, vlogs, parodies, and more. Are you maladjusted? Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? 
I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Pip, 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 powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name your price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.